When we understand that oftentimes, whether knowingly or unknowingly, others are influencing how we think and feel about a particular topic can help you either influence others towards a a best possible future or um, avoid being manipulated if you're the listener or the receiver towards something that's not in your best interest. Welcome to the Disruptance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric Forney and Michael Bounds. Every week on the show, we aim to disrupt the way real estate agents and entrepreneurs think about their business and life. And this week, Mike, I want to disrupt the way you think about words. And so what I'm going to start by talking about is the seven times that science has proved that we're nothing but robotic chimps influenced and persuaded by mind readers. Okay, are you ready for the seven times that science has proven this? I'm, I'm, you know what, me and you, I think, are kind of tracking on the, on the same wavelength on this a little bit. But I'm going to push back some. Okay, so the reason why I want to talk to you about the seven times is, is because I want to influence the, the way that you've, pre, that you've decided that uh, this conversation is going to go by using a number. Okay. Right. So now you're tracking along here with with a number of times in which I'm going to give you examples to support my argument. So why seven? Is that like an arbitrary number? Is that something scientifically backed? Well, that's a great question. Um, It would be based on (laughs) um, one. It's arbitrary and 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 it and it appears to be random. And yet it's one of the most commonly used numbers in order to persuade someone that it is random. Got it. Okay. So so one way we can one way we can influence the way people think about something with our words is by um, making it clear and concise, which is why we've chosen to use seven in this particular instance. Okay. And if, uh, if life in the past uh, 15 months of a pandemic has taught us anything is, is that we can influence how people feel with the word science. And that's because the actual, the premise of science itself is, um, it is really a lot of testing and measuring and then uh, uh, reevaluating, uh, coming up with a potentially new hypothesis, testing that, measuring that. Smart. And, and continuing to retool until you ideally get to an answer. Unfortunately, as we know, the word science has been, chosen in, has been used instead to, to really support or uh, argue against um, a counter opinion or a counter belief that someone doesn't or uh, wants you to align with. And so um, a good, a good example of that would be um, vaccine. Do we get shadow banned for using the word vaccine? I'm not sure how that, or do we get bumped up and pop up somewhere? (laughs) Big CDC logo. (laughs) Yeah. Now Uh, you did it. Now we're on a list. (laughs) Um, You know, what a, like, whether you're for or against or neutral, almost always science is the basis of an argument for whether someone is for or against the use of vaccine. Yeah. And so I want to draw the uh, just kind of like, how does this affect my business? Yeah, perfect. Using Thank you. use the words that we use matter. So absolutely. So um, the, some of the the. the the things I could see as far as like with the vaccine that could have been rolled out if maybe a salesperson, maybe if somebody could have did a better job of communication. 
yeah. I guess. So communication is 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 key when it comes to the vaccination and it's key in your business. Yeah. I guess is what I'm Yes, you're perfect. To- yes, thank you. You're absolutely tracking um where where I want to try to lead people, which is to understand that most of the time we're actually influenced by the words of others not by our own thoughts and emotions. We're almost always influenced by the emotion that we feel in response to someone else's words. And, and those that understand the power of words and the specificity of, of how some words make us feel, yes. can use that to influence. Yes. The challenge becomes is do you use influence to be positive or negative? Right. Right. Is right. it influence or manipulation? So I always say, I can say your beauty transcends time when I'm talking to my wife, or I can say your <laughs> face me. stops a clock. It, I'm saying the exact same thing. I'm using different words. So depending they feel on a lot my, different for my sure. Result, my emotion is much different around those. <laughs> yes, depending on the results, it depends on how I want it. Baby, your, your beauty transcends time. Thank yeah. you. If that makes any sense. So you can apply that to your business. When you're communicating with your clients right. or your, your, you know, we're, we're, we talk to multiple, you know, entrepreneurs, uh, insurance agents, et cetera. No matter whoever uh, your, your clientele is, you can cater a message uh, specifically to them. And having a model for how to, how to use uh, carefully crafted words um, into, into really what amounts to be a communications model of influence um, as, a, as a salesperson or as a leader uh, becomes incredibly impactful, which is why um, when, when I open the conversation about um, having a concise number that you'll follow along with, so there'll be seven, seven um, proven science examples that, that uh, demonstrate that we're just influenced and persuaded by mind readers. Yeah. Right. Now, yeah. now the hook is, you know what to expect in the conversation and how many um, nuggets of information you're going to look for. And you'll, you'll believe that I have some authority because I've used science to justify this. Right. right. And so when we understand that oftentimes, whether knowingly or unknowingly, others are influencing how we think and feel yes. about a particular topic can help you either influence others towards a, a best possible future or um, avoid being manipulated if you're the listener or the receiver towards something that's not in your best interest. And so when we think about it from a business perspective, I think it's incredibly important to understand what are some, what are some words that you can use to unite your, your, your business, your, your fellow coworkers and leaders, um, in order to, uh, actually have a better future. One of the things that we know is incredibly impactful is the concept of imagining. Okay. So Mike, I'd love for you to imagine what it would look like if this podcast had 1 million subscribers, how would you feel? Well, I pulled up in my Lamborghini Urus. I don't even know if I pronounced that right. No, I'm playing. What color? Uh, black. <laughs> I've already imagined it. No, I'm playing. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. I mean, just the using, I guess I call that future promise. Yeah. Being able to uh, play. So we're real estate agents being able to place your client in the home is a very, very powerful way uh, to like mentally move them in. Hey, uh, is this where you would put your, hang your, you know, your TV or is this where you would put your couch in your love seat? Why are you doing that? So mentally you're moving them in. Um, 
uh, we kind of talked about this earlier. Um, psych- psychologically, they are they are moving themselves in and they're imagining that they're in that space. So they're more likely to purchase a, a home uh, if they can. Ima- if you say to them, hey, where would I, I wouldn't put my couch in this place? Then you already <laughs> you yeah. already know where they are mentally. If yeah. that makes any sense. Yeah. So you're, you're getting them to visualize yeah. what life looks like positively mm-hmm. um, in that specific environment. Right. And and it's interesting that our our mind doesn't have the ability oftentimes to distinguish between the imagined future and the actual present itself. And, and I think the best example of this is a scary movie or movies in general. Right. It, you know, if you've watched a scary movie and ever been afraid then you know that your imagined environment is, is way different than your actual environment. And yet you somehow still got scared in that movie. If you've been in a movie theater and you've jumped or been startled at any given time during a movie, it's not because the actual events on the screen happened in real life. All of that happened in your imagination. Right. And so getting someone in a, in a persuasive conversation to imagine something puts them in that state oftentimes in order to, in order to go the direction that you're trying to lead them. And we see an imagined future and what I think is, you know, probably one of the, one of the greatest speakers, um, and, and leaders and, in Martin Luther King mm-hmm. talk about his imagined future mm-hmm. of having a dream and what that future was going to look like. Mm-hmm. And so we know that, that, you know, hundreds of thousands of people showed up in Washington, D.C. for what really amounted to be an un, um, it really was not an organized mass event that was coordinated by you know, giant corporations and mass entities yeah. of people. It was an organic movement of hundreds of thousands of people to Washington, D.C. for an imagined future of hope. Right. And so I believe that when you, when you are incorporating words as in a persuasive position or in, in a position to influence in sales, imagine a future. It can be both positive or negative, whatever it is that you're trying to get your, your person to, to go with. Okay. Um, one of the things that we like to use word-wise as well is assume. Mm-hmm. Mike, so I assume that because you were saying earlier that your car broke down, right? Yes. Uh, I, I assume that you're probably just going to get a, uh, an Escalade or that you're probably just going to get a bike to work. Yeah. Right. Or that you, I assume that because your car is broken down, you're, you're just not going to work this week. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Um, well, the car broke down like three weeks ago. Oh, so okay. I've, I've, been, I've been working. So, I, I, <laughs> so but, uh, yeah. What so it's it, interesting though. You, you did, def, you defended yourself with the reality of the situation though, right? Yeah, I did. I don't know why I did that. It was just natural. I don't know. Right. And so when I assume something of you, for whatever reason, you feel compelled to um, either accept it or defend it. Yeah. Hmm, I guess you're right. And, and wonder why that is. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm I have waiting found for you to, to say be, something profound. I have, I, have fi- I have found it to be one of the most effective ways to get the, the truth from someone. Oh, what a great idea. I'm going to start doing that to people. That's, that's awesome. So, so we do that from a scripting perspective regularly when we're trying to um, understand. Um, one, so great example of this would that be is a, in awesome. lead gener- when, you're, when you're doing lead generation, it, um, 
very you'll oftentimes run into a prospect who just wants to see a house yeah they probably already have an agent and that agent's on vacation but they want to see the house right they're not calling for a real estate agent they already have one their agent however is not available right they're, just or they're sitting right out in front of the house whatever it is and when you ask them do you have a real estate agent they'll oftentimes say whatever it is they think you want to hear right which might be no in that particular instance because what they want to do is see the house right but the answer changes when I assume when I assume something of them. Hey, Mike, because you called me directly, I assume you're not already working with an agent. Because you because you called directly, I assume you're not committed to your real estate agent. Now I've labeled you, and what I what I what I think that it is your thinking or or believe. And for some reason, whenever our Don't beliefs and thoughts are challenged. We, we rise up to defend them. Yeah. And so uh, assuming has been an effective influencing um, strategy that we've used in, in sales from a word perspective. I'm going to put that in my repor- my little <laughs> toolbox because I don't do a lot of that at all. Like, because I think it takes a ter- uh, certain, like your, your personality and mm-hmm. I've got it. I can, I'm, I can be assumptive. I'm, I'm pretty. So I, I love that. Because you're actually getting the answer. You're That's not right. getting fluff. That's right. I love it. I want to do that. Yeah, what you're, at, what you're seeking is, is truth. Yeah. And for whatever reason, when we, when we label someone uh, how we think or how we believe that they uh, think or believe, they feel compelled to either validate it or defend it. Oh, uh, love and, it. And so That's dope. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting because there really are two types of people. There are those that will defend it, and then there are those that will accept it. Hmm. And that's also a word that we can use to influence the idea that there are two types of people because there are not. In fact, right. there are all types of people, right? right. And yet, oftentimes, um, in fact, even in our own political system, we see it. There are Republicans or Democrats, and yet, oddly enough, almost no one identifies with the far left end of the spectrum or the far right end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Most every American is actually a moderate. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's actually every though? Or do you just mean a majority? Uh, by, we're going to be picky about words. Oh uh, yeah. So it's in, thank you for picking up. Yeah. On you that. said almost no one too was the first mm, thing you said. Great. So see my goal here was, is to um, be ambiguous with mm-hmm. my word choices so that you align with one, with one end of the spectrum or the other. Got it. And so one of the things that we can do with words is um, have inflated, ambiguous language. Yeah. Because that oftentimes causes a distraction of misunderstanding and, and that misunderstanding or that distraction can influence. We see that especially with those um, who are, are credentialed. So um, if you watch politicians... Mm-hmm. Or if you watch uh, political public health officials from a from a national perspective, um, <laughs> try to get clarity from watching a um, uh, uh, an Anthony Fauci press conference. Okay, most all of it is is an inflated ambiguity, and that's because um, maybe there is no answer, or maybe that individual doesn't have the answer, or maybe um, he doesn't want, or maybe someone doesn't want you to know the answer. Um, but ambiguity can oftentimes be a way to cause someone to be influenced on either direction that you would want them to be influenced. This is where my wife is really good because like 
Um, some I don't remember anything, and she remembers everything. So when we're having that an sounds argument, like a really fun. That's, I'm sure that never gets brought up. I'm getting beat down, that's and right. I don't even know what I'm getting beat down about. <laughs> I would not do well with that. I've said a lot of things I don't want to remember. Probably. Anyway, yeah. So, so, so dividing or unifying by by creating an identity with two types of people or three types of people or um, labeling someone as one side or the other can be influencing or manipulating because what we're doing is we're 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 placing an identity right. on someone it, you're you're I don't want to say stereotyping, but you're generalizing. So I, I'll make a lot of phone calls. And when I'm calling on other agents, I'll ask them, you know, hey, I talk to a lot of agents. A lot of them are telling me this or are they telling me that. Which one do you identify yeah, with? Yeah, that's great. And then what Absolutely. they'll do is they'll say, I identify them. And then it, it caters where my conversation needs to go. That's they right. They literally tell me what I need to talk about. You're taking a universal truth for the most part, right? You're taking, yeah. you're taking relatively universal truths and you're then dividing it to figure out what's the greater need. Yep. Right. You know, Mike, what I found is that um, there are two types of agents. There are <laughs> agents who want more, t more time. And agents who want more money. Right. Which one are Which you? Which one are you? Yeah. Right. right. And then we, let's reverse engineer how we can blah, 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 blah. And then that's how we have our conversation. That's right. So now we know what, and, and you know, Tyler, you said off airs in sales or in leadership, what we're often doing is we're actually problem solvers. Yeah. As long as you're not a hokey, dirty, like salesperson yeah. who's actually manipulating people, what you really are is influencing people to understand their problem and solve their problem. Right. right, and the problem they think they have might not actually be their problem. Uh, rarely is the problem that everyone thinks they have their actual problem. And that's because most all of our problems are manifestations of our, of our basic needs not being met or the fear that our basic needs are not being met. Yes. It's kind of communication 101 is we believe that we need more money or we believe that we need more time. But what we're actually doing is we're actually seeking to fulfill a basic need that we're in fear of not being met in the future. Right. And then you we want to get this money and that's not really the thing that we're searching for. So we're in this loop. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and maybe what we're searching for is peace of mind. That, that's exactly what we're, what we're searching for. But interestingly, people manifest that as more money. Right. And so it's easy to influence or persuade someone with the lure of more money. No, and yet what they're actually looking for is more peace of mind, more financial security. So my job is to get clarity around that. And so, for example, when I'm having instead of talking about well, I'm talking to an agent, understanding what their their one thing is, their why. Right. Yep. And then being able to identify, OK, OK, how is this going to impact that? Like if, OK, you go from selling eight houses a year to now you're selling 36, 40 houses a year. How is that going to impact you? Not from a financial perspective, but from a what's your why? Mm -hmm. how, how do you help someone unpack that with words? As far as how do you help? Like uh, I've really struggled with this concept of a big why. And, and I say that because it, it, it fluctuates, it moves, or oftentimes it seems superficial. Yeah. How do you help somebody unpack what their actual big why is? 
I feel like this is what you've talked about before in sales that like most of the answers are like three questions deep. Yeah. So you typically have to kind of keep asking to actually get to the root of it. I think you're absolutely right. It moves. My why has changed. Yeah. My why is even in the last two or three years, um, the way I spend my would spend my resources. And the biggest thing is I would look at like if you want to look at what's important to somebody is you look at what they spend their money on. Okay. So when I like so just uh, being able to identify that, unpack that. What are the things that actually motivates that person to get up? Is it your family? Is it God? Is it it's some people it is money? For me, it's I want my time back. Yeah. I buy, I, I make money in order to buy my time back. What would you do with that time when you had more of it back? Dude, I, right now, I'm chilling. <laughs> I have never chilled so much. Of my, I like being in my yard, running around with that baby girl in the backyard, just hanging out. Being present. Being in the moment. Yeah. 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 Uh, having peace of mind, peace right? Of being mind. actually present. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I was thinking, well, what do I spend my money on? Uh, it's, lately, it's just crypto and hoodies. So um, I'm not really sure what that I'm not really sure what that says about my priorities. But all my money's like paying my assistants. To do well, my yeah, job. That, that you you're investing. To do my work. You're investing in crypto. Yeah, that's right. I'm, uh, you're lately, spending. It's, we're lately, lately, it's been spending. Lately. <laughs> <laughs> It's been spending for sure. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's a great example of difference in a word in a word choice. And, you know, on a on listing presentations, I've used that that distinguishing um, investing difference between investing and spending. Yeah. You know, so on a, on a listing presentation, I'm going to have that conversation that says uh, there's a there's a great agent in our market who um, who I have a ton of respect for um, is with our company and um, and has has a has a fantastic business and and it is built around transforming someone's house right it's it's built around updating someone's house to be market ready which makes perfect sense that you would get your house ready to sell for top dollar right um, what I know is that person's business model and then how to counteract it if I'm in a listing, if I'm in a competitive listing situation. Right. And so it's very easy for me then to always say spend. Michael's going to want to spend your money. Right. In order right. to make Michael's job easier. Right. Right. I want to invest your money so that you get a positive return on investment. Right. I believe that you hire me to be a caretaker of what's in your best interest. And I would only invest your time or your money in a way in which it multiplies your actual return on investment. Because just think, Michael, if I was going to make my job easier and you were going to pay me for it, it'd be a great move. It'd be a great idea for me to advise you to spend your money. But the only one who wins when you spend money to make my job easier is me. Right. And I wouldn't want to do that. I would want to invest your money in a way and get you a positive return on investment. And there's a big difference in where the, the consumer feels between spending and investing. Right. They might be the exact same thing. Same thing. Yeah. And so uh, it, it's important to know that how we craft our words 
um, can either can either cause someone to move towards the direction we want or away from um, a scenario that that um, either we we want them to move away from or or a way that may actually cost us a sale in that case. Another thing that we we don't do a really good job of is we don't when we're trying to capture their information, we actually paint ourselves in a box. So one thing that I, I, I do is I try to understand where a client is coming from. And then I want to understand what they're, where they want to go. Absolutely. So yeah. the, the reason being is if a lot of agents, what they'll do is they'll say, okay, where do you want to go? And then they'll say, I want to be in Carmel, but hold, but then it, but then they live, they're renting in Hallville. Or, or yeah. wherever, or the west side, or wherever. And so um, I want to understand where they're going and where they're coming from. And then I also want to understand, like, uh, I want to understand, like, uh, from a budget perspective, I want to understand how much, the, where they're at now, and then where they want to go. Uh, because most of the time, they're going to fall in between, or sometimes they'll fall right now, right now in this budget, sometimes, or in this market, above that. So anyway. So how do you, how do you then, you, I mean, in order to obtain that, is that a, is that a future-pacing question or a set of future-based questions? Everything is set in proper expectations. Um, when you work in a model home, new construction, they don't spend all that money decorating these model homes that are brand new. They don't spend all that money just because they, they do it because they're trying to present future promise. They're trying to say, okay, you're coming from this this is what your life can be. Yeah. So like as professionals, you're, you're, you have to, the manifestation of that, you have to do that, but you use your words. And so if you don't get really good at being able to, to be able to project, okay, this is your future promise. Then people are less likely to, to take that step. Yeah. Mike, what I found with most people like yourself is that, you have a lot of success when you're able to provide people with that future promise. And so I think it would really benefit you if we uh, talked more about words and the power of words. And th that example is, um, is another way in which we craft words uh, in order to move someone towards a desired future. And so oddly enough, what we found is that when we use most people mm -hmm. like yourself benefit from, yeah, it causes you to go where we're trying to go. Yeah. And so um, I would encourage you then to figure out where you can loop the concept of most people into your sales conversation or your leadership conversation. Is that social proof? Yeah, you have some, you have social proof and, and you're demonstrating that you have results and experience doing that, whether that's the case or not. Yeah. But Receipts. Yeah. Right. And so <laughs> we find this to be incredible. You know, one of the things that 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 is a challenge in our industry is, is setting um, buyer consultations in person mm -hmm. before running out and showing houses. Right. Right. Is that we know that not every agent is able to successfully obtain commitment from a buyer for exclusive work um, or to to meet somewhere um, that, and before they meet at a house. Right. And there are a number of reasons why I know the consumer wants to meet at a house. And there are reasons why it's in no one's best interest for that to happen. Safety being the first and foremost is meeting strangers at a random, um, empty, vacant home is in no one's best interest, the consumer or the agent. Right? And the seller. 
That's right. Or the seller. That's right. <laughs> right. And so there is a reason why the consumer um, and the agent and the seller all benefit from a meeting before the meeting. Right. And the one of the biggest challenges, though, is for agents to secure that meeting. One of the ways we've been able to hack through that effectively is by using most people. And so it's been incredibly effective to say, um, especially to first-time home buyers. Yeah. Hey, uh, what we found is that with first-time home buyers like yourself, they've most often found benefit in meeting um, at the office in order to put a plan of action together for how we're going to accomplish X that you said you want to accomplish in the future. So, um, does this time or that time yeah. work better yeah. to do that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's paramount. If you guys aren't, aren't getting buyers consultations, it's yeah. when I first started, that was the biggest first thing that uh, transformed my business was I used to meet people any willy nilly. And then when I got really purposeful and, few years ago it really transformed my business i found it's interesting that a, the agents haven't been able to make that tie-in either yeah. either either they're afraid to ask or they're not sure how to ask yeah and so what i found is you don't ask you actually lead yeah i you, don't think that the, as an agent they felt that they had anything valuable to say i felt like i didn't have anything valuable to say so therefore like Let's get to the the fun, yeah. the fun part. Yeah. But I notice what it does is it sets expectations where anxiety drops, and then I'm more likely to help them buy a house, and it's a way smoother transition if I set proper expectations. It's interesting because everyone benefits. Yeah. That way. Yeah. It's not a win-win. Yeah. Because win-win doesn't exist, but everyone benefits. Yeah. And so when you're able to meet in person and and do the do what has been most effective for most people everyone benefits it's in our head like if we if we can frame it that way that we're perfect once i got in my head that i'm a doctor or i'm a lawyer and you're coming to me, like your yeah. doctor wouldn't feel crazy about having them come to come in and do a consultation before the actual procedure. So once we start looking at ourselves as professionals, we'll then start behaving that way. Yeah, absolutely. And just one more thing before we wrap up is a great example of another word or set of words that can influence the way people feel. Mm -hmm. And so just one more thing yeah. or, Hey, before we go or, Hey, last thing, um, sets an expectation of what's to come. Yeah. And so when we think about um, the, the, the seven ways that science has proven um, that we're influenced by words and by phrases, uh, we know that setting expectation for what's next is a great way to lead people to um, captivate their attention yeah. and to pay attention to whatever direction we're trying to lead them and influence them with our words. Thank you